0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. President Donald Trump's budget proposal calls for major cuts to science and research, areas that have helped propel America in the past to world dominance. The United States has been at the forefront of medical innovation, climate science, space travel, and engineering, and yet Trump's agenda has some scientists really fearful of a coming dark age in American research and development. A new article in the Atlantic calls it a "quote lost generation," and that there isn't enough funding in the private sector to offset these huge cuts from the general public. Joining me now is Adrian Lafrance, a reporter with the Atlantic, who is writing about this. Adrian, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, those are very strong phrases. Dark age, lost generation. Talk about uh, where they find their roots uh, in this budget.
1: Right. So, um, excuse me, I, I talked to uh, more than a dozen scientists about how they feel about this budget or, or sort of their reaction to it. Um, and it, it's alarming for them because for many years now, science, public science funding has been declining or at least stagnant. Um, and this budget proposal would represents what would be just dramatic cuts to public science funding. So it's not just that things aren't getting better for them, it's that they suddenly would be getting much worse. Yeah. Um, a, and so that's i think where the, the the main reaction is coming from i mean
0: one of the interesting things is is the contrast i guess between the rhetoric that comes from the trump administration about american greatness and wanting to as they say restore american greatness and then when the budget comes out they're sort of chipping away at the things in the past That have made us great, medical innovation, climate science, space travel, engineering. That disconnect is one of the things that I think makes this very confounding.
1: Right. Well, and it's also really interesting, too, as you point out, if you think about um, where sort of the the rhetoric is focused in terms of of American greatness, often you'll hear the Trump administration talk about bringing back manufacturing. Uh, If you talk to anyone in computer science today, they'll tell you, you know, that's not going to happen. Like our world has changed past the point of bringing it back to what it was. Not least of all, because, you know, of, of automation and what that's going to do to manufacturing, um, you know, self-driving cars. So if you look at where the innovation is actually happening, it shows that the the, the past is not the future of American greatness. Things are changing.
0: Right, right. Uh, space exploration is is one of the things, though, that the, the Trump administration and the president has actually talked about. He says he would love to get us back to the moon, for instance. But when you hear him say it, you get the sense that that is about... Triumphalism, as opposed to the science that would uh, that would get us back there and get us back there with a with a purpose, and and again, there's that that, that disconnect between what they're saying and what they're doing.
1: Right. And that that raises another interesting point, the extent to which there is some sort of like optics in terms of how the Trump administration seems to think about science. You know, there might be this sense of like, we should go back to the moon. And, and even I, 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 my understanding is that they're supportive of a Mars mission. Um, but then you look at in this budget proposal, for instance, um, some of the cuts to NASA funding would be for, you know, the, the ending of four missions that would have observed Earth from space, and it, it, those sorts of missions aren't just to sort of like, you know, the, the implications of ending those missions are wide-ranging, right. um, and i also speak to sort of this, uh, what appears to be less of an interest in, in basic science, um, which scientists will tell you is crucial because it's where you are gathering, sort of catching a wide net, and the the opportunity for really profound breakthroughs is where, um, you know, begins with basic science.
0: Yeah. I wonder if this kind of paring back of our scientific community and environment is – among scientists, is it seen as something that could prevent uh, people from deciding that the United States is – the place to be a scientist. In other words, people who are here, who are from here, uh, grow up and decide, well, I'm going to go to another country that's investing more heavily in this. People from other countries who for decades, of course, have come to the United States because it is a place that invests heavily in innovation and science, maybe decide, I'm going to stay in the country where I'm from or I'm going to go somewhere else. Is this Is this a threat to the sort of long-term interest and viability of the scientific community?
1: Right. Absolutely. And that's something I heard from a lot of scientists, um, especially if you look at I mean, we have evidence that that's happening already. The, the existing squeeze on public finding for science um, has meant that the share of money for younger researchers is smaller. Um, and so you see, you know, there was a study a couple of years ago that showed uh, about, you know, uh, something like 18 percent of the scientists who got one of the, the leading uh research grants from the NIH were under 36 years old, 18% of them. Um, then that was in, I'm sorry, that was in 1983. Um, and then in 2010, just 3% were. So we're already seeing a huge squeeze on public funding, um, which means that the younger scientists aren't getting the money to do the kind of research they want in the United States.
0: Yeah. Uh, and and it- this idea that I also get the sense that from the Trump administration that one of the beliefs is that if you pull government funding back from this kind of endeavor, from this kind of investment, that it will free up the private sector to take that place. I mean, the, 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 that there's a theory that I think undergirds a lot of the things that the administration is doing. Talk about why that is either – realistic or not is that likely to happen and will it even if it does will it happen in a way that sustains what the government is now walking away from
1: right this is a really important point I, I think especially because as you point out it's it's sort of this mentality that shapes a lot of what the president um, thinks about the the tensions between pub, public and private money Um and you see, you know, we have uh, really robust foundations that are devoted to science, like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, he and his wife, who's a pediatrician, just launched their own uh, foundation last year that's dedicated to to curing various diseases and, and science research. Um, that being said, while those foundations are important and scientists are grateful for them, um, they're contributing on the order of maybe $5 billion per year, which sounds like and is a lot of money um, to scientific endeavors. Whereas if you look at just the cuts to just the NIH, you know, that's the proposed cut for the NIH is $6 billion. Right. So a, a single line item cut in this budget <laughs> proposal eclipses. Uh, you know the the amount of money that these two major foundations are are devoting just for one year. Yeah. Um, well,
0: what about and then,
1: what about people mm-hmm.
0: like Elon Musk? Right. Uh, he's mentioned in your article somebody who says he's going to take people to the moon. He's going to take people to Mars and do it with private money. Why is that not? Uh, why is that not an, a realistic alternative to government funding?
1: Right. So I think again, this is an area where it's a, a really important complement potentially, especially with, with Elon Musk's SpaceX program. I mean, they've been doing some really remarkable work and, yes. and they really could help shape the direction of, of scientific endeavors in the United States. But, you know, again, it, it's not the same amount of money, certainly um, being devoted to otherwise to like basic science research, the kinds of things that actually end up curing diseases. Um, the other problem, too, is looking at, at tech leaders and, and private companies is that it it affects the the research that is being you know picked in the first place. So someone like Elon Musk might be like, yeah, yeah we're gonna send people to Mars, and it's it, it's really exciting. Um, <laughs> but first of all, we don't know how long. You know, he has no. Obligation to continue that effort. He could at any time decide he is not committed to that anymore. Um, Also, you know, we've seen with other high-profile tech companies, especially you know the the, probably the best example is Theranos, this um, uh, blood testing company that just kind of imploded, um, was that their technology didn't work as well worry at all, as they said it would. And so there was a tension between wanting to report good news to shareholders that just eventually, right. you know, it became clear that they weren't able to do what they said they could do. Yeah. And so when you're a private company and you're either looking to investors to, to try to make them happy, um, working on their timeline, working on the projects that are in, of interest to people who want to make money, your priorities are going to be much different than they are. If with you're the just government. letting scientists lead
0: the way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, excellent uh, points all made in that article. Uh, thank you very much, Adrian LaFrance, reporter with The Atlantic, for being with us on Detroit Today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. That's going to do it for me. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. See you tomorrow.